0: You're listening to Baltimoreans the home of the all-weather fan. Today's show is brought to you by the Carlisle group.
1: <laughs> oh God Oh dear.
0: My name is I'm Sam not sure that I'm ready. This is Alan Smith. Let's get a choir.
1: Baltimoreans Hello, Baltimoreans.
0: Uh, I don't know, Alan, do we have anything to talk about today?
1: I mean, there's just a couple little pieces of business here and there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we got at least 45 minutes on us talking ourselves into Craig Kimbrell's arm dangle being cool. Uh, so we got to spend, we got to spend a lot of, a lot of uh, therapy time
0: on that, I feel. So the week that was Smith, the, the week that was, um, one of the, the things about the week that was is there was a second where no Major League team had made a larger free agent signing at the winter meetings than your Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, there was all this talk this week about uh, how there was so little news coming out of the winter meetings. Buster only very upset. Very upset about it. And then... All the news happened. <laughs> Can we
1: take a second on the like? Um, it it feels to me like um, Amazon Prime creates this random day in the middle of the summer you know (laughs) prime day where they just created this holiday that means nothing to anybody else but because amazon has decided that it's like a consumer orgasm day then everybody like buys all this stuff in the middle of july yes it feels to me like this year's winter meetings was like if Amazon Prime Day underperformed and then Amazon like got really mad at everybody for not buying enough stuff. It's like, you guys made this up. Like th- th- this isn't a thing. This isn't this is just 3 days in the middle of the winter. There's no there's no it doesn't have to be
0: there's no rule. Like what what are you complaining about? Right. <laughs> Please stop. Right. Right. This there's no need for any of this.
1: <laughs> it's an entirely self-created thing. Yes, there are a bunch of people in the same room, but like Atani gets to choose what he wants to do, man. Yes. <laughs> Relax.
0: You guys are choosing your own sadness. You're, Yeah. <laughs> you're just making yourselves upset. And as Baltimore fans, we, we can empathize. <laughs>
1: we also choose our own sadness. I understand what you're saying, but I just feel like this
0: particular uh, Tempest in a teapot is is a bit much. But – Ah, I thought you were going to say we. C- I I see why you're saying we can empathize because we choose our own <laughs> sadness. I thought you were going to say that we empathize because we are Baltimore fans. We are very used to our organization doing nothing <laughs> doing of particular nothing during, note during the meetings and until, having a lot of angst about it. Having a lot of angst about it, frankly. Well, I I agreed, I, and I would have agreed with that until about five p.m. yesterday when um, I'm not going to say a bomb exploded because the Carlyle Group is heavily invested in defense contractors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Tipping my hand a little bit here. But um, (laughs) it was reported, of course, yesterday at 5 p.m., Alan Smith, that uh, the co-founder of the Carlyle Group, Mr. David Rubenstein, uh, a man worth approximately $4 billion, depending on whose uh, made-up numbers you believe. Former chair of the board of Duke University. Um, former Joint Chiefs of Staff,
1: um, former—I'm uh, uh, sorry, not transition—Counsel on Foreign Relations.
0: Um, yeah, David David Rubenstein apparently in talks to acquire the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's a little editorial
1: from my younger child who is sitting on my lap right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is the exactly correct sound, Nico. And um, I think there's just... Th- th- this just requires a minute or two of of discussion, Smith, uh, to make an understatement. Because, you know, if you took a, a glance at Oriole's Twitter, um, this is going to be a broad generalization. I think a lot of folks are excited about the potential end of the Angelos era. I think a lot of folks are excited about the potential for a very wealthy owner who we imagine might be a little bit more willing to spend money. And just to put one kind of fear that I had aside, although I'd be interested to know what you think about this, my first thought was panic when I saw this news because I, th- I thought it was almost certainly going to be an indicator that the team is going to be sold and moved because it seemed to rhyme with all the weird lies and uncertainty about the lease and um, the skullduggery that has been involved in that process. I thought that this is what's happening. Like, the other shoe has dropped. There was a plan to sell and move the team all along. But then I saw that David Rubenstein... Perhaps his only redeeming quality is that he is from Baltimore. (laughs) Lives in Bethesda, Maryland to this day. And that would suggest, I mean, it would be an incredibly heartless thing from a company, the man who founded a company that has done incredibly heartless things, to buy your hometown team and then move it somewhere else. So I don't think that if, in fact, David Rubenstein becomes the owner of the Orioles, uh, he is planning to move the team. Would you agree? I would um I think that it
1: seems like well but here's the thing about uh about people who work in <laughs> private equity everything's a everything's a resource man everything's a resource so I would say it seems that way until the bid comes in from Nashville and then we'll lit, look sit down and look at the bid just to be sure I mean yeah, yeah. it 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 doesn't like the the one thing you can say about the Carlisle Group and the sort of ethos of the private equity boom of the last 20 years is that, like, everything gets on that balance sheet and there is no space for soul. Yeah. Um. I, You know, I don't know the man. <laughs> I would like to think that um, he is invested in this team as a team and as an experience of living in Baltimore and being in Baltimore, but... I have no, uh, you know, nothing in his track record suggests that he is in any way sentimental. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but Alan, what, what about all those nice old people that had to deal with vermin uh, at their nursing homes when they lived at a nursing home that Carlisle Group bought? He did uh, donate $10 million to
1: support the renovation of the home of James Madison. So that's an old person whose home he fixed up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Smith. Woo. It is too early for that quality of zinger. Um, okay, so let's talk for a second about the Carlisle group. Because sure. I when I saw that name a lot of, like, Michael Moore-esque alarm bells went off in my head. Uh, and I realized at first that I thought the Carlisle Group was Halliburton, and then I backed away from the edge. <laughs> so, uh, y- yeah. uh, you know, uh, I don't think we want to go to Michael Moore about this because history has shown us that uh, while he is a good provocateur, um, n- not all of his theories uh, exactly turn out to be true. But the Carlyle Group, once I did a little bit of digging... Isn't as not like Halliburton as you might like it to be. <laughs> so, what did what did the what did the name the Carlyle Group stir up for you when you when you saw this news?
1: It's a it's a private equity. I mean, private equity to me says um, we are our our business model is to be uh, a financial parasite on the economy. Our job is to come in. Um, purchase things and um, make them more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree, Nico. Um, <laughs> efficient is is a is a is a lovely buzzword that was all over my personal experience of being in business school, but it often means. Um, you know, ruthlessly exploiting human <laughs> suffering to make um, more money around the edges. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes they make things that have no human suffering at all. Maybe they make the be- they make a widget better at making a widget. But because they treat everything, including people's homes, people's livelihoods, people's et cetera, as widgets, and they are constantly looking for ways to make things more efficient, they are fundamentally... Um, the, the the largest soulless parasite that is infecting this world.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. And and just to give some some concrete examples here, uh because I was trying to read up a little bit on the Carlisle Group this morning, um before we got on here and started talking about it. I mentioned Manor Care a moment ago. Manor Care is this chain of uh, senior facilities that Carlisle Group acquired and then cut ruthlessly to make more efficient. And as a result of that, a lot of people whose loved ones were living at manor care facilities reported things like cockroaches running around everywhere and, uh, just a, a general decline in the standards of care at these senior living facilities. Um... And that that and alleged that that was a direct result of the budget cuts and a.k.a. efficiency that Carlyle Group instituted, they would say, in order to make these businesses more profitable Um, and, uh, you know, would probably claim like, why would you want to come at me about that? Don't you want your nice elder care facility to stay in business, the counter to that, of course, is that the the primary goal of an elder care facility should perhaps not be profit and efficiency, but rather a standard of care. Um, and they, these are the kinds of decisions that a private equity firm makes. So I think we just all want to be like super clear <laughs> about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and it's it's an interesting like. Um, as as listeners to this show know, I, I am I am something of a of a um, of a a student of professional sports owners and how they got their money. You know, I'm not I'm not out here saying that David Rubenstein is the same thing as um, Donald Sterling. I'm not here saying he's even the sa- he's not the same thing as the che- the former Chelsea owner who ha- happens to be a, a Russian um, you know Putin advocate and ally. Um, I, I, think his connections to the Bush family over the years don't like cover him in glory, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think, I think that one of the interesting things about private equity and sort of the business that the Carlisle group is in is that as you say, most people looking at it, view it as a sort of morally neutral thing. The pursuit of efficiency is not deemed to be, like, good or bad. It's just sort of the way that capitalism works, and they're just being better at being good capitalists. I don't see it that way.
0: Yes, yes, and and neither do I, and I would venture to say nobody should. <laughs> um, because, like, this is just—we're talking here about one of the— fundamental conundrums of our American economic philosophy, which is the idea that we should all want to conceive of, run, and maintain profitable businesses. For this, of course, is the American dream. And of course, there is nothing maybe inherently wrong with that, except for the fact that in order to do that at the highest level of aspiration, which is what the Carlyle Group represents, you have to push the outer limits of what success means until it becomes so completely defined by profit that you kind of lose the thread a little bit. And yeah. you know, I, read well, the-
1: I, I, I would say not even just a little bit. I would say completely lose the thread because the the, the analogy of everything is a widget. Is a really important one here because what it says to what it says about any business is it can be fundamentally broken down to whether or not it's it's a good balance sheet, um, which would be fine if we didn't have. Let's see, healthcare, education, uh, sex work, uh, um, like art, uh, sports. Um, let's see. What else do I want to put in this category of things? I don't want this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, housing, um, like these uh, these sorts of things that should not be in that same widget category because they are not fundamentally widgets. I'll get t- quick story. Um, <laughs> during my time at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, when I was getting a um, uh, uh, my my master's degree and I was uh, Wharton adjacent, I took a incredibly complicated class that only met it was two weekends and it was all of two weekends that's all we did we got we got there like friday at like 4 p.m we got to go home to sleep for like four hours or six hours friday night and like six hours saturday night and it was just like boom all the way through and what the class was was all this like incredibly complicated simulation where we were six different companies and we were responsible for the entire healthcare industry of a made up country and it was like there was an incredible like the people running the simulation had this incredibly complicated it was basically like a, a a war game but um and but what was interesting to us when we all like after we finished this whole simulation and you know we we would all put in our our um we would all put in our actions There was like six rounds and we'd all put in our, our team's actions each round. And then the algorithm would like uh, pop out where we were after that round. And then we'd all, and so we were all kind of going back and forth about what, you know, what, what was success that was not defined going in. What was uh, (laughs) like, what all, all the kind of questions about like what, what was good and what was bad. And at the end of it, four teams had all decided to treat, um, three teams had all decided to treat essentially the healthcare of this country as widgets. They were all there trying to win the game, maximize their position, make the most money, etc. And two teams had been like, well, wait a second, we're talking about healthcare. So it's important to also think about the people who are not covered Mm -hmm. to keep prices Mm -hmm. low, Mm -hmm. to do these different things. And it was Mm -hmm. like, it was so fascinating to see how quickly like, Some people took the remit as this is a war game and a simulation and the goal is to maximize and other people took that same simulation as, well, this is a simulation and it must matter that they chose healthcare. It's not... um, smartphones. It's not, um, you know, um, uh, maybe smartphones isn't even a good example anymore because they're so, so key to our lives, <laughs> but like, uh, whatever, you know, it's not a widget. It's a, it's a thing. Um, and I just came out of that being like the groups that were entirely run by or dominated by charismatic MBA students, people who were in Wharton getting their master's in business administration were all the people who were treating it as widgets, and mm-hmm. it like, it really, that to me is the fundamental question about the value of the Carlisle group. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Good, exactly. bad,
1: or, or, or good, good at his job, bad at his job, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, yeah, it's what is this built on? What, what are the types of decisions that this wealth is built on?
1: And He I seems think- to have a real hard-on for the uh, founding fathers,
0: too. Well, it's one of those, uh, you know, I I don't, I can't sit here and tell you what David Rubenstein's politics are. He seems to be sort of studious in not making a lot of public comments about that, Um, but, you know, I think we can infer some things based on the people that he has hired to um, work at slash run the Carlyle Group, Uh, looking at you, Glenn Youngkin, um, who was, (laughs) who ran it for 22 years. Um... The question, I think, in all this, Smith, is what can we infer, if anything, about how he would run the Baltimore Orioles? And if he does, in fact, become the owner, how much do these very real concerns and fears about the way that he has amassed his fortune... How how is that going to impact our fandom? Like on a scale from you know <laughs> uh, from like um, from public ownership to blood money. <laughs> where do you think we're landing here?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I I, I could imagine um, many listeners to this program being like, "Well, who do you want to own the team, Alan and Sam? If 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 Angelos is an if Angelos is no good and." Uh, this capitalist pig dog is no good. Who's your Who's your choice? Well, the choice is obvious. It should be owned by either us. the city of Baltimore or us as fans. But yeah. <laughs> um, back into a, a, a world of reality, I guess. I guess I feel like. Um, David Rubenstein is the exact model of who is buying sports teams right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's either like individuals who have this kind of wealth or it's like groups of people who are pooling together and there's really no, like, I can't imagine somebody with this uh, level of like, spend money and then allow other people to make things run more efficiently. I, I can't imagine he would even change Mike Elias as as our GM. I mean, I think he would uh, come in and my, my, my concern would be that he would come in and sort of like try to make the experience of being an Orioles fan more efficient. Um, but maybe not. I mean, maybe he would just sort of like let the bean counters be bean counters because that seems to be kind of what he does in business. Um, which I guess like just from the perspective of a sports fan, which I acknowledge is not what we do here on the Baltimore Orioles, but a uh, Baltimore ons, but just from the perspective of a purely product on the field, I would say it's probably a pretty good option. Um, I would say it probably is, is a, it's a significant upgrade on Angelos, um, who seems to be, um, Uh, capricious and unable to get out of his own way to the point that like it's actively hurting the team plus somehow has convinced himself that he doesn't have any money which is absurd
0: right he also seems to be constitutionally incapable of telling the truth (laughs) right right and like you know but but he's also but he's also sort of an active owner
1: like he came in and suspended Kevin Brown. He came in mm-hmm. and he like you know, he's he's showing up at games with Wes Moore and courting in a very visible way mm-hmm. uh politicos mm-hmm. around Baltimore such that he gets the lease that he thinks he's owed. Um right. Right. Like, I, I think he I think he is sort of like that worst possible kind from a sports fan perspective of active and engaged without actually contributing anything useful to the team. Um He's sort of a Jerry Jones-ish Dallas Cowboys owner in that, like, everybody knows his name. He is very public. He is in some ways superseding the good work that is happening in the actual front office. uh, And he's around. You do not get the sense from everything on David Rubenstein's resume that that's what he's going to do. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he might come to games, but you have a sense that he would be like he's got other
0: many other
1: fish to fry.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I think so, except for the fact that he's 76 years old. And th- this is my question with, with guys like this, is at this point in his life, he has made all the money in in the world. His heirs are probably well taken care of. We can assume that the Carlisle Group is is well taken care of going forward. So the question, the the $1.76 billion question, Alan, is, is he buying the Orioles because he wants to treat it as the kind of asset that the Carlisle Group generally acquires? Or is he rewarding himself for a life, quote unquote, well spent in business and in the last chapter of his life wants to have the biggest toy that he could possibly imagine and have a good time playing with it and and that that to me is is the real question here but but and and which would you prefer the answer to be the toy, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: Yeah, t- team toy, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team toy, hundred. Okay, yeah. I David, mean, I if think you're think that listening, right.
0: <laughs> cut loose, buddy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is not a time to worry so much about the efficiency of the ninth year of Adley Rutschman's contract. Don't even worry about it. We got a, we got another young catcher coming up. Adley yes. can DH. It's fine. Don't even it's think fine. about it. <laughs> it's
0: absolutely fine, David. Don't. Don't worry, my friend. Don't worry. Don't you have a board meeting to get to? Let Mike cook.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I'm I um I like purely from a sports fan perspective, um you know, you you you'd really love someone who came in wanting to invest in this young core. You really want somebody who seems to be a legitimate Orioles fan like to come in and be like uh, this, th- th- I will change the structure of um, of the game, and I will uh, um, invest in this team closer to the level that that their on field performance suggests that they are worth. Um, right. With right now, there is these rumors that Tottenham is like that they're, that 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 the same qatari um oil conglomerate that owns psg and a couple other international football clubs is sniffing around purchasing spurs hmm. um my other team for those of you who are not keeping track at home uh this is way better than that <laughs> yes i would i would yes. 300,000 times percent prefer well that's not even true it, no i would 25% prefer private equity <laughs> ownership in one person's individual to um, to Qatari uh, uh, blood money uh, and, and I think that like one reason that that's the case I don't necessarily think that the Carlisle group is like a um, uh, Head and shoulders ethically above anybody out there. I think that they're um, they are they are probably just very good at what they do, which is be efficient. And I don't think that that's a that's that's a that's a morally positive quality. Um, but I, I do think that um, at least David Rubenstein purchasing the Orioles is not going to be, uh, were it to happen, is not going to be a situation where. He is doing fundamental work to repair his own image. He's not gonna do anything to like make the Carlisle group look better or worse in the world. It really would be an aging billionaire getting a big, shiny new toy, even if he doesn't invest money in it. That's what that's what it would be. There's no other narrative there about like um uh you know the the one of the one of the fundamental reasons why i'm so frustrated at the um world cup and all of sort of world football going to the to the Saudis and the qataris is that it feels like they are absolutely sports washing there. Yeah. In a way that this doesn't feel like there's no other narrative that he would be trying to redeem um as as a part of this.
0: Yeah, i think that's 100% right. And i that we...
1: that for a silver lining. Hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and we should all remember that, like, again, if this does go through, it's not the Carlisle Group buying the Orioles. It's David Rubenstein, who just 15 happens.
1: $15 to the Department of uh, uh, Head and Neck Surgery at John Hopkins. Uh, $15 <laughs> million to the U.S. Uh, Holocaust Memorial Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeping in 10 mind. $10 to PBS to help fund Ken Burns documentaries. So he might have uh, been responsible for the baseball documentary at some point. <laughs>
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, this is all, although we do have to caveat that. You know this, Smith. We do have to caveat that with like, it is like textbook tax dodge behavior to be oh, like. Oh, yeah.
1: Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. No, no our, I, our system of philanthropy is completely broken and that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But but it's 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 better than not giving any of that money away, I suppose. Um, yeah, gently. Gently better. Yeah. <laughs> But it is no, but I,
1: but I, but I, but but if uh, here's what it's better than. Given the ridiculous system of philanthropy uh, and tax dodgery that is our current tax system, it's better to give money to the Holocaust Museum than it is to uh, uh, the Heritage Foundation.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly.
1: I'm um, not sure the Heritage Foundation is even a C3, so they probably cannot accept the tax. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that the Heritage Foundation has a C3 out there. I don't know. Whatever yeah, the-
0: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably uh, something we well, – What? let's not even go down the Heritage <laughs> Foundation road. Um, yeah, I, I mean, to go back to the, the pure sports element of this, you know, I do think it positions us, again, if it goes through – I think I lean towards your interpretation that this is like billionaire playtime in the twilight of his life and is much more likely to put us in a position to have an owner where when Scott Boris is like, well, you know, we'll see what makes sense for Gunnar Henderson extension wise. We'll see what makes sense for Jackson Holiday extension wise. It makes it much more likely. Are those both Boris clients? Oh, yeah. It's it's talk about (sighs) depressing (laughs) my life. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean and this this is news that came out this week that apparently uh Mike has been calling just to see what might be involved with such an extension. And that that was basically Boris's answer is like, you know, we we filter these requests down to the player to see what might make sense for them. And if we end up in a position where David Rubinstein owns the team, it puts us in a much more likely place that david can just get on the phone with boris and be like listen you slick fuck just tell me what it's gonna cost i'll make a counter and let's get this done i am so old and tired (laughs) like (laughs) i'm i don't nobody wants or needs this stupid dance which like angelos is never gonna do right angelos is gonna go right to the press and say Ugh, you know, if you want, we couldn't get it done. Yeah, and I couldn't possibly do this without making beer at Camden Yards cost twenty-five bucks a cup. Um, right. Rubenstein, it makes it more likely that you know, yeah, there's a little bit of back and fo- volleys back and forth in the press, but ultimately the extension gets signed and everybody smiles at the at the press conference.
1: Look, we we know coming in, we know this that there there is no moral. Stance that makes it acceptable to be a fan of these sports teams. Like it, it's just not. Mm -hmm. And I think that from a sports perspective, to sum up here, my guess is that Rubenstein is a much better option for the Orioles over the next five to 10 years when he is, because of his age and because of his relative situation, probably in a very win now position himself at a time when the Orioles are probably positioned to be in a win now position themselves. Yeah. Um, that's a
0: really good point, Smith. That's a really good point. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's almost eighty years old and has money literally to burn and yeah. has the most promising young baseball team on planet Earth. This is I mean, this is a man who has made a fortune off of smart investments. This one it's like It's a smart investment. He did not need to call any advisors on Yeah, this one. It's a
1: smart investment. I mean it's it's a it's a it's a it's that's a good Just from that perspective, that is a good match. Um, and, And I would really love to not have Angelos the Younger around anymore trying to make his name as a businessman on the backs of some shady nonsense about developing parking lots in Baltimore.
0: That's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. It's not like David Rubenstein needs to burnish his credentials as a successful business guy. Uh, nope. And the Orioles He's, are not going to be part of his attempt to do for that. For better, <laughs>
1: for better or for worse, he is already sainted in that regard. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Now, I also, you know, will will I personally have to hold my nose uh, over the period of the, the next couple of years if this guy is our owner? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm not here to tell you that uh, that's that's a that is a um, a reality that I'm looking forward to, um, but. I do think that... No, no, but that's it. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to enjoy that part.
0: Yeah. And again, like, as we close up here for today, because...
1: How much of a part should that be? That's the question, Baltimoreans. How much of a part should that be in our sports
0: fandom? That That is the question of Baltimoreans. That is the question. And also, the other question is... Andy, Andy, <laughs> tell us how we should feel, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. But but I think the other question is, one of the things that the reporting on this so far has been care- careful to point out is like, you know, it's possible that Rubenstein is just one of several people who might be in on bidding for the team. And uh, like, th- this may be a more wide-ranging offering than we are aware of. And so... I think it's a a good moment for all of us to sit and, like, really check in with ourselves about what we want the next era of Orioles' ownership to look like. Do we want it to be a, like, Padres-esque type situation where it's just, like, let the money fucking rip, baby, and, like, who cares, you know, how well these deals pan out? Do we want a a Steve Cohen type situation— Um, do we, like, care that, uh, (laughs) those situations, while they generated a lot of excitement amongst the fan base during off-seasons, have not necessarily led to a lot of success on the field so far relative to the amount of outlay? It's a very, very interesting moment for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, yeah. I... And can I just say one other thing? Can I just say one other thing, Smith? And I realize this verges into the territory of conspiracy theory. (laughs) Because Angelos has been such a skullduggerous dick, there's a little part of me that's like, is he just leaking this story? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, as is, we as we
1: come down to the last minute for, <coughs> negotiations around the lease, yes. and all that stuff. Like, right? I don't trust
0: any of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, is he like this? Is it, I realize that it would be a person of David Rubenstein's stature probably does not, and who is so, as we said, like studiously careful about his public image, as as near as we can tell. It seems unlikely that he would let himself be swept up in a bullshit PR campaign, but...
1: It was a pretty, it was a pretty, like, it was... I forget exactly how it was worded, but it it, it wasn't like, maybe, possibly. It was like, in discussions.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. It's just that, you know, the other side of the... Uh, the other side of of the doubt that this is all just a PR campaign is like, well, in an improv comedy sense, what's the next escalation in beats of <laughs> like Angelosa's ridiculousness? One is that he says i'm gonna I'm gonna open up, I'm gonna invite all the press and we're gonna open up the books and I'll show you the the entire business model of the Baltimore Orioles. The next beat was, Hey, John, why haven't you done that? Like, how dare you ask me that question on Martin Luther King Day <laughs> or whatever it was. The next beat in that was going to the New York Times and saying, like, I don't have any money. <laughs> the next beat of that was on Clinchmas being like, good news, everybody. We I signed have, the lease. We've signed the lease, which is immediately proven to be a lie the next escalation of that is like, mm, I'm about to sell the team to this uh, billionaire no, you're dude. Right. Like, you're right.
1: You're right. It's, it has all no... the
0: markings of Angelos nonsense.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, you know, uh, and, 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 and may actually turn out to be the only thing that matters from this 45 <laughs> minute conversation is that like, oh wait, this is just more um, Angelos tomfoolery. Um
0: well, I think we can agree on what the what the big biggest question is, Smith. But but sure. there there is a second biggest question that I would okay. like you to consider. And that is this. What would you call former Orioles prospect Henry Urudia if he was an employee of a popular skateboard Adjacent fashion brand that was at one time acquired by the Carlisle Group. (laughs) 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 Um, Let me see. What, uh, Henry Vans Rudia? Uh, that is an excellent guess. It would actually be Henry Supreme Rudia. Do we know that they didn't acquire Vans? <laughs> as near as I can tell, there is no company that they have not acquired. I think uh, this podcast is now owned by the Parallel Group. <laughs>
1: Uh, Congratulations to us. Um, yes. we will. We will now cut
0: headcount by fifty percent. <laughs> well, it's been nice, nice working with you, Smith. I, I, I think I'm probably the one getting the axe. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, Baltimoreans. When more shoes drop, stay safe out there, Baltimoreans.